go pick up a couple of books from the library, some self-helps, maybe some personal finance books, some of the ones that we've discussed on here. And while you're not spending that money on a cable bill, internet, cell phone bill, and stuff like that, you can spend your free time reading and paying off your debt. Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Sewing Podcast. Join host Kathleen, that's me, from Sunny Mountain Patterns, and Brandilyn from Daily Sews and Stuff, and guest experts as we discuss how to run successful sewing businesses, innovations in sewing, and ways to make more money doing what you love. So today we're talking with Mike Cav, who is the host of the personal finance podcast, Average Joe Finances Podcast, and is a member of the financial independence movement. He also has a blog called Average Joe Finances. He's a realtor, a finance coach, and also in the Navy. So welcome, Mike. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the extra time. So uh, today we're actually going to be talking about personal finance for a reason, because it's very important to mind your personal finance as a business person. Because you need to have your own house in order so you can concentrate on your business and not be worrying about paying off consumer debt or your student loans or making the mortgage payment. Personal finance is, of course, personal. And we're talking about general guidelines and ideas, anything specific. You, it might be a good idea to talk to a competent professional because I don't know about Mike, but I'm not that competent. Mike probably is, but me, <laughs> not so much. So Mike, um, why don't you start off with telling us about, uh, you know, your journey to finding the personal finance and, and how you got a hold of, or why you got a hold of your personal finance? So yes, uh, I don't know about the competency thing for me either. I'm just uh, just trying to make it, you know. But so uh, a little bit about me. I grew up on Long Island, New York. I joined the Navy when I was 17 years old. Shipped off to boot camp at 18. Is that uh, even legal? <laughs> well, my parents had to sign some <laughs> documentation to allow me to to join at that time. Uh, but I was 18 before I actually, you know, left. So I've been in for 18 and a half years now, uh, getting close to retirement. And um, I was stationed in Virginia for 15 years. And while I was there, I found out we were going to finally leave Virginia and move to Hawaii. And I told my wife, I said, hey, going to Hawaii, I, I want to buy a house. And, uh, you know, we we need to make sure we have all of our stuff in order to do that. Well, at the very time that we decided uh, to, you know, get our act together here, we were about twenty-seven thousand dollars in credit card debt. Uh, had a couple outstanding loans, car payments, you know, all the the typical American dream, right? Mm -hmm. So, I had like a two-year window, and I was getting ready to deploy to Iraq, and I knew I was going to get some, you know, extra money while I was there, so, you know, the hazard pay and all that stuff. And I knew I wasn't going anywhere, so I wasn't going to spend it on anything. So I said, hey, let's let's come up with a plan to pay off our debt. And, you know, since we know so far out that we have this opportunity to go to Hawaii, we've got a chance to really break this down and get on top of it. So we did. We came up with a plan. We actually followed Dave Ramsey's uh, baby steps at first. We We, you know, did steps one through three to get consumer debt free. What we did is we we took whatever our highest interest credit card or loan, whatever that was, and we paid that off first. And as we paid it off, we took whatever that payment was going into that particular credit card and we snowballed it into the next one. And you know, eventually that snowball turns into an avalanche and then it, it just all comes crashing down to you to you crush it, right? And that's what we did. So we wound up um 
completely eliminating all of that consumer debt. And by the time we moved to Hawaii, we had about $40,000 in the bank. So, um, you know, being in the military, I had the VA loan. So I knew I was going to be able to use that and put, you know, zero down on the house. So I said, hey, we've got 40000 to do, you know, different things that we want to do to the home at like renovations and things like that. So that's what we did. Uh, coming out here, though, I'm getting closer to the end of my career. And, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what's what's the next step? What am I going to do to to stay you know, to, to live the lifestyle we want to live, but also, um, you know, be able to enjoy some more time with my family. So I went and got my real estate license and I started, you know, doing that on the side, just doing referrals right now while I'm on active duty, because it's, it's kind of hard to take on clients. Right. And then I started a blog to kind of document, you know, what I did to get out of debt and, and what this journey was. Um, and then a friend of mine said, hey, start a podcast. And I was like, well, I think I want to wait till I get out of the Navy. And <laughs> they were very insistent that I should start one and just just do it. So I did. And it's very time consuming. But And you're like, uh, what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you did that on purpose. No. Um, but it's 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 been a blast, honestly. I mean, I, I think the most rewarding thing that I've gotten out of doing the podcast is the opportunity to sit down with much smarter individuals than myself when it comes to personal finances and investing. And I get to pick their brain for an hour. And it's amazing because a lot of people have uh, a problem with talking about money and finance, especially about personal finance, even with their partner. Like, Brian, I don't know about you, but do you have uh, money dates with your husband? Not specifically, but we talk about finances a lot. We've done, uh, we've actually done a lot of the Dave Ramsey steps too. And we are debt-free outside of our student loans and our mortgage right now. So, so for those of you that don't know, uh, they're referring to Dave Ramsey, who um, he has a whole bunch of steps for personal finance. Um, and some people it's, it's, I don't remember how many steps because I, I got past the first two and I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, but the first couple are great because they have you look at what you're spending, look at where you have uh, money that's going in excess that you could use to pay down debt. His snowball debt payoff strategy is amazingly simple, yet effective. And I'm sure, hopefully, if you heard it from Mike, how effective it is. Please read other personal finance books as well in combination with that, if you're going to look at Dave Ramsey. Uh, but it's certainly somewhere to start. And three out of three people on this podcast have read it, <laughs> have read the book. Uh, you can just go to the library and find it. You don't have to pay for it. I, I agree with you there, on. Kathleen, too, about, you know, it, it's a great starting point. Um, you know, after I finished those first three steps, I was kind of done with that program because uh, he, he's very fearful of debt. And and the thing is, not all debt is bad debt. And I'm sure we, we, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I just want to clarify that, that I, I did not follow it all the way to the end because that's kind of, that's a little bit too much for me. I think the place Dave Ramsey comes from is... Like he dug himself in such a big hole that he decided that he was just all the way done. But like you said, not all debt is bad debt. So if you know you have the self-control to do it well, then it's different. Where should an abject beginner start to get their finances in order, Mike? Uh, at averagejoefinances.com. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's spelled A-V-E-R-A-G-E. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, the, the biggest thing is you have to figure out what's going to work best for you, you know, for you and what, whatever it is your financial plan is. So, uh, you know, for somebody who's single, it's very easy because, 
you're the Not one who has to make the decision. But no, well, it, you know, for the decision-making process, you know, it's one person. If you're married or you have a partner, right, it's important that the first step is the two of you getting on the same page. And that's one of the things that my wife and I did. Uh, we, we sat down and we came to an agreement. There was a lot of things that we didn't agree on. There was certain things that I thought maybe should have been paid off sooner that she disagreed with. We had to find that spot where we can meet in the middle. And once we did that, we were able to come up with a plan. So once you decide that this is the, the route you want to go, the most important thing is making a plan, building a budget, disciplining yourself to stick to it. And you can demolish almost any goal it is that you're trying to do by something that simple, just by building a plan. So part of the plan would be uh, a budget or our spending plan. If people don't like that word budget, they think it's a bad word. Yes. If you don't want to use the B word, you could say spending plan. That's, that's fine too. It sounds fun. Oh, I'm spending. Yeah. So, I mean, so uh, for an example, like, um, you know, even after we've, you know, we got to the point where we are now, I mean, my wife and I, uh, this, this past January, we, we went and took a staycation and we stayed at a local resort here for two and a half days. And we did our goals retreat, but we both came up with a set of goals of what we want to accomplish this year. We compared them together and then we followed a step. I don't know if any of you have listened or read the one thing or listened to their podcast, but um, that is something that they, that they do every year. So so that's the one thing by uh, Gary Keller. Yes, by Gary and Keller. And Jay, mm-hmm. I'm going to mess this up. Papasan. I, I can't. I can't see her last. Name. See, I'm 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 half Japanese, so we say Papasan. That works. <laughs> that's probably not right. So you notice, um, you know, we've already talked about two books here. That a lot of it is educating yourself. And if you don't read, that's okay. Like if you're not a reader, people, some people aren't, they're too busy or they can't sit down and read. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to audiobooks, You can watch YouTube videos um, uh, that educate you, but definitely expose yourself to a wide variety of finance type of information, not just one, because sometimes you're going to find out like if you're starting an abject beginner, how do you know it's not a scam? There are plenty of YouTube videos that are like, hey, do you want to make $1,000 in an hour with no work? <laughs> oh, just course. pay me for this. <laughs> yeah, buy my, buy my course. And they're always walking around in like their expensive rented mansion, driving their expensive rented car. And if you're a guy, they always show that, you know, expensive rented girlfriend. <laughs> the way to prevent that from happening is to read widely. Not necessarily uh, read widely. I mean, so I consider myself a content sponge, right? So whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video, if if I find myself with free time, with free time, that's usually what's going to happen. Is I'm going to throw on a YouTube video or I'm going to throw on a podcast. If I'm driving to work, you know, on my commute, I've got a podcast on. When I'm in the shower, I've got a podcast on, or I'm playing a YouTube video that I want to listen to. So the longer your you know, showers that you can listen to a podcast. I'm not saying I'm listening to the whole thing. You know, <laughs> a couple minutes like an hour later. Oh, I'm really clean. Hey. No, I do the same thing. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm driving. Not that I drive that much anymore because COVID. Uh, but if you're listening in the future, go ahead. Podcasting are great. When I sew, I um, listen to podcasts a lot. Or when I clean, makes the cleaning a little bit better. I hate cleaning. I think Brandilyn, you said, what do you listen to when you sew? While I sew, I usually listen to like fiction audiobooks or I turn on a show or, or something. But um, whenever I am 
not doing something I have to be looking at. I do watch a lot of sewing YouTube videos and like those kinds of like improving that skill. And I also watch some that about creating YouTube videos because that's what I do. Yeah. So you could always squish in time to improve your craft, your business or your personal finances. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, and, and all that content can help you improve your craft. As a matter of fact, uh, YouTube helped me become a better dad today because I watched a video of how to put <laughs> uh, a little girl's hair into a bun. Probably would have nice. been better if I would have brushed her hair, but you know, <laughs> yeah, not perfect. So, right? so say that somebody's had a conversation with their partner. If they have a, you know, we're going to assume that people have partners. What happens if you're the saver and you say, you know what? I don't want to be in debt anymore. I, I don't want to have to worry. I want to be able to pursue my business without having to worry and, and have the time to develop it so that it can generate income. But we have all this debt hanging us down, but your partner's just like, nah, YOLO. Is that still a phrase? <laughs> I work hard. I deserve this, whatever. And they keep spending money. I mean, is there a way to approach those two types of personalities? without divorce? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you for describing me. I appreciate that. You um, talk like that too, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's the, the funny thing is um, I've, I've talked about this in a couple episodes on my podcast that, you know, it's funny because I, I have the Average Joe Finances podcast, right? But when it comes to my wife and I, when it comes to who's the spender and who's the saver, well, I am actually the big time spender, right? And my wife has always been the saver. She's always the one thinking about you know, hey, this is what we need to do, you know, to to get ahead. And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's fine. We can, you know, we could do this. Uh, we'll buy this and then we'll be able to do that. And I still, you know, I, I find myself getting like that still every now and then. And and what I do to, you know, resolve that is I'm still a spender. I just change what I'm spending my money on now. So I look at my investments. So I have no matter what, every time I get a paycheck, I have certain investment portfolios that my money goes into. I, I automatically put it into that. I pay myself first. I pay those accounts first. That's you know my biggest focus on spending. That's where I want to spend my money. So I still get that, I guess, satisfaction that I'm in control and spending my money on something that I want to get. And at the same time, in, in the long term, it's, it's going to provide a better benefit um, for, for me and my family, you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, that, that beautiful thing of compound interest. It's going to be something we could use in the future. Um, I didn't change who I am. I didn't ch really change my habits. I just changed how I look at it. You know, I changed my mindset and, and I, maybe I disciplined myself a little bit more. Right. And I never really followed a budget in my younger years. And now my wife and I, you know, we have a budget and we review it. Uh, sometimes once a week, usually about once every two weeks, we'll sit down and look over everything and make sure we're on track. You know, it's again, like I said before, it's about that meeting in the middle. You know, if one person's a spender, the other one's a saver, there is a way to make it work. You just have to identify the best path forward for the two of you as a couple that you can feel like the person who's spending is still getting to scratch that itch. And the person who's saving is not feeling like they're wallowing away, uh, putting all their money in, or, or, you know, racking up all this debt um, while the other one's spending away. So I've definitely spent quite a bit on my business, right? So with starting up Average Joe Finances, with the, the website costs, 
uh, everything for the the equipment for the podcast from the outside looking in you look you start looking at just the numbers and you get like whoa hang on a second and then you know when my wife and I sit down and we we go over everything in you know the full spectrum throughout the entire year what this really cost it's it's a lot less painful you know does that make sense yeah yeah you're you're averaging it out plus you're hoping right. that your business will start bringing an income to offset yes. the costs so it's interesting in my relationship, my husband and I are both spenders and savers, depending on what it is. You know, there's certain things that, that he's very much a saver on and other things that I'm very much a saver on. And so we've had to find compromises in a lot of different areas, not just as a whole. Mike, I got to ask you something because Kathleen's been talking about it for, she's been talking about this the whole time and she's told me what it means, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you take it because I want to hear what you have to say. She's been talking about this acronym FIRE. Yeah, it's, it's hot. It burns you. <laughs> so, uh, so you're talking about the FIRE movement, right? And, and so FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Depends on who you talk to in this particular community. I'm, I'm not the, I guess, the go-to person for FIRE itself. My, my view of FIRE is a lot different. I focus more on the first two letters, right? financial independence. The retire early thing is difficult for me because can I retire early? Sure. I think I can. Do I want to? No. I really enjoy what I do. Um, you know, when I retire from the Navy, I'm going to get a healthy pension and it's going to be passive income that I'm going to get for the rest of my life that honestly can cover 95% of my current expenses right now. If I stop putting my money into the other investments that I'm putting it into right now, it could cover 100%, well, more than that, of my expenses. I could essentially, at 40 year, years old here in a couple of years, fully retire. I don't want to do that. What I'm doing um, outside of the Navy is something I'm very passionate about with running this podcast and this blog and helping other people get to that, that same level or uh, you know, just be able to have a better future for themselves by uh, producing, you know, financial education and, and things like that. On top of that, I'm also a licensed real estate agent. I have only been doing it a very short time, but I absolutely love it so far because again, I feel like I'm serving people and, and helping others. And I think I'm going to go probably until the wheels fall off or until my wife makes me retire and, you know, we go buy a sailboat and sail around the world, <laughs> whatever, whatever happens. I feel like that would be my husband. I don't think there's any way that he would ever actually retire. He's always like, right. For a while he had, I think four businesses going. And I was the one who was like, this, this is too many. You can't keep doing this many. Yeah, a lot of people get lost in the retire early. They're like, I would never want to retire, but how would it hurt you to pursue financial independence? Which is basically defined as that you, you're passive income is sufficient to pay for your living expenses. So for example, if you had um, enough dividends and growth in your in any broad low cost index fund to cover your living expenses, then you don't have to work. I mean, going towards financial independence of having what is euphemistically called FU money um, by JL Collins. If you don't know what FU stands for, don't Google it. No, please don't. Please don't. It's a bad word if you don't know what it's Unused for. money. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Children's show. Children's it's, show. It's the, it's, you know, it's the object of 
having the option of not having to work, but being able to work at things that you might love to do. Like Mike's saying, he loves helping people and coaching them, but that doesn't mean that this business that he has is immediately generating income. It's a long-term play that that will generate income. But in the meanwhile, he's not stressing out about having to make that money. So if you're a business sewer and you want to, you're passionate about sewing, but the income is not quite there yet because you need to get more customers or get, well, better known, uh, one way to have a cushion is to have financial independence already or be working towards financial independence and have FU money. So you don't have to make it work. You have a little bit of cushion or emergency savings. So you can give it the time it needs to the business, the time it needs to develop and to grow. So we sort of touched on this, but if somebody doesn't know Dave Ramsey, they don't know that we sort of touched on this. What about that emergency money? What about what if you're just starting out and you heard Kathleen say that and you want to set aside some emergency money, what should you do? Here's the thing. So what I normally recommend to other people for an emergency fund, you know, is basically three to six months of your expenses, right? Now, for me, I just had a set number because I I didn't need that much because for the most part, you know, when I'm recommending this, it's because if you're working in a job that you could possibly be laid off, you want to have at least three months of your expenses covered. So if you do get laid off, I mean, that's like the biggest emergency of, of them all. Now, I have a couple different accounts uh, for my emergency account, right? So I, we do what we, um, they're called um, sinking funds, right? Every paycheck, my checking account looks like it's all nice and fat that first day. And the very next day, it looks like I'm broke. And the reason why that happens is, like I said, I pay myself first, pay all of my investment accounts. Then we put some money into savings. Then we put money into, we have a pet fund, Christmas present for the daughter. Uh, so I didn't, I thought you meant pet as in like, you know, your favorite, but you literally meant animal pet. Yes. Yes. Pet fund for, uh, for, for our pets. Um, you know, that's for vet bills and, and their food. We use that for that. Uh, our grocery fund, we have a separate account for our groceries and, we don't spend nearly as much as what we budget for our grocery. And what we do with that is at the end of the year, we invest that money. So that's, that's another fun thing. We put money to the side for um, the holidays and birthdays. And then we have our emergency fund too, right? And for us, the, the set number for us to have in there is 10,000. So besides the other accounts, we want to have 10,000 in that particular savings account, which is our emergency fund. When it comes to passive income, I have right now, I think, five different sources of income besides my nine to five, my job in the Navy. What is passive income if somebody doesn't know that? Right. So passive income. So, for example, uh, rental properties, right? So my duplex uh, back in Virginia that pays me every month. Um, My real estate investment trusts, I have one um, that pays me every month and I have quite a bit in it. So it pays me a couple hundred every month. Um, but I have that set up as a dividend reinvestment incentive program. It's called DRIP. And I don't actually take any of that money. Uh, what it does is it gets reinvested into it. It buys more of those shares for me. So um, an income from clients that I have that I do financial coaching for, uh, referral income for uh, real estate. And then I have um, my sponsors for uh, the podcast. 
So just a couple uh, different things that that I have put together and all, all the other stuff besides my nine to five money from the Navy. Uh, I, I don't do anything with that. I just invest it because I don't want to touch it. But the, the passive income is basically money that you make while not having to actively physically work at it. Sure. Yes. Uh, so, you know, while my head's on my pillow at night, I'm getting paid like that. So like, again, like my uh, one, so not all passive income is truly passive, right? So for example, uh, if you have rental properties and you have tenants, uh, you have to deal with that stuff unless you hire a property manager that deals with a lot of that stuff for you, but you're still dealing with it in some aspect. You are giving approvals to the property manager for certain things that need to be good. So it's not hundred percent passive, but it's, it's a lot less than what you're doing in a nine to five job. So I, th- right. I think the only thing that'll be truly passive for me is when I retire from the Navy and, and get that pension and, and my, and my dividends too. Yeah. So like Kathleen, it designs patterns, sewing patterns. And so it takes a lot of work to design that pattern and it's a lot of upfront stuff, but once she lists it for sale, it's mostly passive income at that point because right. the money people are buying it. She's not having to go like pocket to people on the street. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't have to make another thing. So just money keeps rolling. Yeah. <laughs> money keeps that, rolling. That in. was actually something I was going to um, bring up too. Cause you know, I know that you do that, that, that is a perfect example, especially for somebody in your community, right? You know, you're, you're making sewing patterns that you're selling and you're se- selling a digital product that will, you don't have to worry about it depleting, right? It's all, it's always there. So somebody buys the product, you can be asleep tonight, Kathleen. And all of a sudden your phone goes off. It's like, cha-ching, you just made a sale. While you were sleeping. I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I, I had a Shopify I store at one point and I, I used to love that sound when I would sell uh, stuff with my drop shipping company. Absolutely. Or like what I do is YouTube videos. And so that, again, that's a lot of work up front, but once they're posted. But once they're posted, if, if you get enough uh, viewers and subscribers, it can also start generating revenue. Absolutely. But it's all. I, I also I also have a YouTube channel too um, that I put you know my podcast episodes on and I'm you know I'm not really focused on that but who knows you know maybe one day I'll get a thousand subscribers and enough watch hours and I can monetize it you know and it, you know it's little things like that that can you can build up over time you're not necessarily gonna you know start any of these projects and be an overnight sensation and an overnight uh, millionaire right it, it doesn't doesn't really work that way some people get lucky. Right. But luck's luck's not something you should be relying on. It's you have to put in the work and the effort. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go have passive income streams and I'm never going to work again. Well, that's great, but you got to work to get there first. Right. 100%. And anybody that tells you, hey, take this course, I have a special formula that's going to automatically get you. You know what? You should be very helpful. I can't stand those. Uh, You know, it's funny. I actually. We're looking at making sure that you're building towards having your passive income or secondary incomes meeting or exceeding your expenses. So that one half is building up your passive income or your um, income outside of your, outside of your job. That might be having a sewing business. The other part that a lot of people hate talking about is reducing expenses. You know, a lot of people buy things saying, this is an investment. Uh, what truly should be considered an investment when you're considering buying something, Mike? Well, you just said it. You know, people hate talking about that. I don't like talking about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so lowering expenses is huge, right? Now, yes, I, okay, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I did just go buy a new car. Now, the reason why I bought this new car 
is because as I'm getting closer to retiring from the Navy, one, this is a gift for me for, for my career in the Navy. Two, uh, it's actually a taxable write-off, which is the other reason why I bought this car, because what I'm doing with it as a realtor. So I did just buy a Tesla. Uh, and you know, But the thing is, everything I'm doing with it, with real estate, I get to write off all the mileage. That's the reason why I did that. But when it comes to lowering expenses, when I first moved out here to Hawaii, um, I sold my car when we left Virginia. I had a Ford F-150. I sold it. We shipped my wife's car over because it was paid off. And then I went and bought a used car. And that's what we had, you know, that's what I was using to get from point A to point B while I was going to work uh, until I, I, my most recent upgrade, which I just got in January. So that was one of the ways that we lowered our expenses, right? So I didn't have a payment anymore. She didn't have a payment on her car because it's been paid off and we've taken very good care of it. So maintenance is very important if you want to keep your expenses low with a vehicle, if you don't want to be paying these huge repair costs. Now, the other thing, uh, you know, Make sure you have that money in your emergency account for when something goes wrong. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I do have a house and a vehicle fund as well. So in case something goes wrong with one of the vehicles or the house, which so lowering your expenses is huge. Um, certain things you can do, you can look at look at the cost of what you're paying every month on your cell phone bill. Look at what you're paying for every month on your cable, um, electricity. What are cert certain things you could do? So one of the things that my wife is absolutely crazy about is making sure appliances when not in use are unplugged. Uh, that's, a, that's a big one. Honestly, you unplug your expenses, make sure you turn your lights off. You can save huge with your electric bill. And Kathleen can attest to this. Living in Hawaii, electricity is very expensive here. So that's one way you can cut some costs. Cable's very expensive. You know, yeah, a lot I mean, of people just get does, by. Does anybody just, have cable anymore? There's a lot of people that still pay for cable. Even if you don't and you have streaming services, why do you have five streaming services? If you have a lot of debt, if you keep paying for all these, but going, I can't find any more money at the end of the month. I'm always out of money. You need to, I'm sorry, but you need to start taking a hard look at some of your expenses on what you feel is mandatory or not. Because you know what? 15 years ago, there was no Netflix. Right. 50 years ago, there was no TV. And yet oh, somehow, wait, wait. Hold somehow on. we managed. I think 15 years ago, there was Netflix. I think Netflix is that online, old now. Online, online. Oh my God, I feel so old. I know. Wait, 20 okay. years ago, 20 years Ooh. ago. Yes, keep going. There was no Netflix. There's no streaming services. Unfortunately, if you're in that much of a hole, either you have to make more money or you have to find somewhere to get, to eke out money from yeah. your spending plan. Cut the cord on everything. If you have to, I mean, at one point, all we had was our cell phones. We, mm -hmm. you know, when we were saving before we moved out here to Hawaii, we cut everything out. We didn't even have internet, you know, because we didn't need it because we had our phones if we needed anything. Right. Right. Now I, you actually do I need had, it for the business. I had the internet at work. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't do that right now. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, a couple of years ago, five years ago, when we were starting this whole, this whole process, if you had to get rid of your cell phone bill, there's there's much cheaper options out there too where if you needed to have like an emergency phone right uh, there there's right. different things you can do different options you can have right like US cellular is like 10 bucks a month or something right, right. just for to have just, a phone just, a just phone. to make phone calls right uh you know for emergencies only you know you can cut all of that all those expenses get rid of tv everything if you have yeah. to and go pick up a couple books from the library some self helps maybe some personal finance books some of the ones that we've discussed on here and 
while you're not spending that money on a cable bill, internet, cell phone bill, and stuff like that, you can spend your free time reading and paying off your debt. And guess what? You know what? The cable companies will gladly hook you back up. Oh yeah, they treat you like a brand new customer when you oh, come yeah. back. Oh yeah, they get the, you get the deals. Um, and, and even if you just keep the internet, you don't need the hundred and fifty dollar internet probably, unless you're like a professional gamer. You probably can downgrade. I mean, right. shoot, I'm recording this podcast. I post YouTube videos when I make tutorials on the cheapest uh, high speed internet that Spectrum offers. It's fifteen dollars a month, and I'm sure my husband and my kid are streaming. She's Brandon's raising her hand. I'm sure oh, my kids I'm just, are, 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 are watching stuff right now. So you don't have to have the best of the best. Try a lower priced product, especially for serve monthly reoccurring services for a month or two and see if you give yourself a couple of weeks to get used to it, but see if it makes a difference. If it doesn't stick with it, you're saving yourself 50 bucks a month. Times that by 10, that's $500 a month. There's your emergency fund. I'm Absolutely. super passionate about my, this. <laughs> my thought earlier was just how much easier that is when you live in town, because in the country we were paying like $85 a month for really terrible internet. But Oh, is that why you were raising your was, hand? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, that's why I wasn't really raising my hand. I was just like, oh my gosh, like I can't me. believe that. We've been talking about how much more expensive everything is in Hawaii and that is not and one yet, of those things. It's not always the case. Yeah. It's, it's, it's personal. Personal finance is personal. Absolutely. You know, and so for me, I, I need to have high-speed internet for the things that I'm doing. And I don't pay for the most expensive plan from Spectrum, right? What I did do is I went and bought a really good Wi-Fi mesh system, and my internet connection is phenomenal. So some of my mo- more recent episodes, you know, I'm sitting, especially when I put up the YouTube video, like there's a delay when I'm talking. And that was thanks to the the wonderful connectivity that I had. Had nothing to do with the internet speed that my provider was providing it had everything to do with my signal so uh, sometimes it's just little changes you can make um you don't need the the best of the best of the best all the time yeah it's just because you're changing price doesn't mean you're downgrading in quality so get that out of your head if you're like no i don't want to go lower because i couldn't possibly live with a lower price blah 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 so this is actually something specific for sewers because uh they tend to get overboard with their equipment and their fabric. If you're making something to sell, a physical something to sell to somebody, fine, because you should be charging for the cost, right? But if you're doing it for yourself, you're gonna have, and you need to um, put a rein on your spending, you might have to take a look at what you're spending, um, even for sewing. It's still an expense, just because that's a hobby or a part of your business is still an expense you have to look at. You can find, similar quality for lower, or you don't have to buy a new, a brand new sewing machine yet again. If you already have three that work perfectly fine, maybe you might need it, but you really have to be like, do I really need this? Yeah. So like, if you're thinking you you need to upgrade to upgrade to add a serger in, you really don't like you can do almost everything you can do with a serger on a sewing machine. Is it more convenient? Yes. But it's just not always the best choice of what, what you're really focusing on is saving that money. Yeah. So have a cash if you're going to buy a surgery. That's basically what we're saying. Have an emergency fund. <laughs> if it's between surgery and paying down debt, maybe you should have emergency fund and pay down debt instead. Uh, and another thing is, I mean, I've bought... I've we bought, have a contest on who has the most machines. I, well, yeah. Brandon wins. <laughs> I do win. <laughs> um, but I was trying to think of 
think this through. Um, of the seven machines that I own, three of them I bought new. Two of them are antiques. So obviously those were used. Um, and then the other, know. yeah, I'm not that old. Um, and then two of them I bought used. And, you know, yes, that's always a gamble, but it's worked fine for me twice now. Yeah. So, I, I mean, Mike, going back to your area of expertise, because I don't think you even know what a serger is. Do you? No. He says he's the sewer in the house. Uh, I, I, the I Navy am the sewer in him. the house. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks to the Navy. Um, I have used a sewing machine before, uh, but I, I don't I, I think mostly, the Navy provides surgers. <laughs> but I mostly hand sew. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anytime uh, a doll's cool. dress gets ripped or a child's dress gets ripped or anything like that, it's my daughter's walking up to me with the needle and the thread saying, <laughs> oh, you have to fix it. And uh, yeah, I, I happily oblige. Stuffed animals, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pro. Okay. That's good. But, you know, a lot of times people who have maker hobbies that are, you know, potentially could be businesses, they get that whole, oh, I need this really expensive, whatever. How do you determine between needs versus wants? Yeah, that's that's 100% uh, a big thing. So there was a lot of things that I thought I needed to start my podcast that I thought I needed to soundproof my room. And probably the most expensive thing I have in the my recording studio here is my mic. I mean, I already had the laptop, right? Um, the ring light was like 20 bucks. And then I, I bought these little soundproofing um, styrofoam thingies here. Are they, are they to, covering to, your clothes? To help with the echo in here. No, no. The, so the clothes are natural, like sound mufflers. <laughs> Uh, so it kind of works out on either side of me. I just put those to block the outside noise from outside. And I got that for like 12 bucks on Amazon on Black Friday. I got a thing of like 40 of them around me myself. I use my standard issue sleeping mat here. Let me see if I can get it on here. See <laughs> right there. My sleeping mat that I got uh, when I deployed direct and I kind of just, I, I stand it up around me. It kind of blocks the sound from, from the, the rest of my house. And I'm, I'm kind of in a pretty good soundproof spot. Um, and it was very, I wouldn't say cheap, but it, was, it wasn't as expensive as, you know, the lengths that some people go to when they set up for, you know, a, a show or anything like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I've got here. You go bare minimum. And that's what I started off with correct. was just this, like the, the, the sleeping mat thing that I had and then my blue Yeti microphone. And I was using the, the camera on my laptop for oh, a while. Like external. my first, like my first, like 15 episodes, I think was recorded with my laptop camera. I asked for this microphone for Christmas and, um, I think the rest of this is all just, you know, this is my life right here. There you go. Before we started recording, I think you said something. And you're talking about your new car and it was a joke, but I don't think I actually caught what you were saying, but it was something about asset versus liability. And so if perhaps maybe somebody does decide that what they need to do is, is invest in a serger or whatever, how do they know? Is this an asset? Is this a liability? What defines those things? So I, I think first, could you explain to me what a serger is? Look at your t-shirt, pull the, pull the hem on your t-shirt and uh, the side seam that's done with a serger. It's a really fancy sewing machine that uses four or five threads, well, two to five threads. It, and it's what makes like these little, these little triangles. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. And then if you look at the hem of your shirt or even of your sleeve, that's done with a cover stitch machine. That's a whole different machine too. Well, I, I think the first thing you'd have to ask is, you know, 
the the patterns that you're doing like do, do you necessarily need to have that uh, i mean i'm sure you can hem a sleeve without putting these double lines in it um, <laughs> yeah i mean you can use a double needle on your sewing machine yeah, the, i've, I've the, hemmed my pants by by hand before so yeah i don't think you know i wouldn't go out and buy buy that just to do that but so when you're talking about but it, i think it's different if you're using it as a, as a business Absolutely. If, if it's something that you, you have to weigh the pros and the cons, right? It, how much does a, you know, for, so I can have a, I guess an example, how much does a serger uh, normally cost? There's a really wide range. I would so say, say between 250 to yeah. 1000 depending on yeah. which model you get. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to depend on, you know, what that return is going to be, whether or not it's going to be an investment or a liability, right? So I guess an asset or liability, right? Because if it's an asset, you're using that to, to get some type of income, some type of return on it, right? If you buy it and you're not selling any of your products, you're not making any business and you're just creating, 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 and you bought the serger and you haven't sold anything to, to pay for it, it's 100% a liability because it's not, it's not giving you any type of return. Right. So I, I know I said this is a joke when we were talking before how I said my my new vehicle was 100% a liability, which which actually it, it's kind of funny because it's really not because Teslas hold their value like something insane. I was going to buy a used one and it costs the same price as a brand new one. It was maybe $500 cheaper. And I was like, this can't be true. This is ridiculous. It's because it Tesla is. buys it back with a guarantee. Right. They'll buy the so, used one back anyway. So yeah, and you're so it's, buying it for the business, right? And I, you know, I bought it for my personal business, and you know, I get to write off expenses on it. So I do, you know, yes, I'm I'm paying for it, and it's, I'm not getting really anything back right now. But once the car is paid off too, I'm also using it as I'm writing off writing off these expenses. Now it's 100% paying me back. Um, or I can sell it, right? It, you know, it, it's it's going to hold value for a very long time versus, you know, when I had my previous vehicle, uh, all it did was go down and down and down in value and my payment stays the same, you know? So it's it, it, it's it's kind of funny like that. Now, buying a, a home, right? As you're paying down your home and you're building equity in the house, right? Because the home goes up in value, you're paying down your principal balance, you know, you're, you feel like you're dumping a lot of money into this home, but if you were paying that in rent instead and you have nothing to show for it, that's the big difference. Now, a lot of people say you shouldn't count your personal home as an asset. And that depends because if you're going to use it and leverage it in the future, uh, it 100% can be an asset. I, I consider my home an asset because I've even looked into it. Like right now, I can take out a home equity line of credit if I needed to pull money out of my house, you know, it just depends on what you want to do. Like my, my rental property is, it's an asset, right? It, I get paid every month. Somebody else is paying my mortgage on that property and then I get to pocket the rest. So, you know, that, that's, that's the biggest thing. That's going to be the biggest focus. If it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial to your business, then by all means, you know, go for it. If it's going to something, be something that makes your life easier while you're making these products, if it's going to buy you more time, because time is money, Right. If you are starting to get a higher demand and you can't meet that demand because you don't have a serger, right? And it's taking you a little bit longer to finish up those hems because you don't have have it, 
then it might be time to upgrade and, and go get that that nicer surgeon. Or if you need like a nicer one, you you bought the the cheapest one in the beginning and now it's time to upgrade. That's I mean, that's what I did with my my mic. You know, I, I bought a, a blue yeti to start off. And after recording for a while, and actually after I started making a little bit of an income from both my business and my podcast, I said, Hey, uh, it's time to upgrade the uh, upgrade the mic. And I used money that I made from from average Joe finances to buy the mic. I didn't use money from my nine to five. So that's going to be the big difference. If you can pay for that that product that you want to use out of income that you've made from that business, then it, it might be worth going for it. Does that make sense? Perfectly. And I think that was kind of relates back to something that we were talking about with, oh, Kathleen, what was the British man's name? Mike Donegan. Alan Donegan. Alan, Alan Donegan. Donegan. <laughs> Sorry, you're Mike. Um, Alan Donegan, we were talking about, you know, sometimes the thing that you need to do is just take what you have and start. And then you can always build bigger and better later. So I think Absolutely. that relates very- but You can't return the surgery after you've already used it. They will not be happy with you. No, but you could resell it for less yeah, money. For less money. You've already sunk money into it. Um, but uh, so, so Mike- does that mean all of those cosmopolitan articles and, and uh, whatnot that go buy this season's investment coat are wrong? <laughs> I hate when they call. Yeah, they what? call it. It's, it's not a coat you wear while you're investing. It's it's a high end luxury <laughs> coat that you buy because it's so high quality and fashionable. It'll be an wow. investment. It's an investment piece. And I hate wow. when they use that because it's not an investment. It is an expense. Yeah, you know, and some people say that with watches too. And, and you know, there are it, some watches that you can buy with very, very and, few exceptions. And, and there you are can some you sell can them buy, in the right. future for uh, for More a profit, than, right? But you know, in but, the most case, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I I wouldn't recommend uh, taking financial advice from the cosmopolitan. Uh, We're not referring would, to the magazine, say, so don't sue us. Thank you. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't sue me. Uh, so again. Um, <laughs> You know, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't recommend taking financial advice from anybody except for yourself. Do the research. Read. Education is important. Educate yourself. You know, don't sit here and, and use one resource. Um, if you like what I'm putting out with my stuff, that's awesome. Don't use just what you're hearing from me. Look at other resources. You know, um, I, I, I'm always recommending uh, people to other financial coaches or things like that, real estate investment groups, uh, different mastermind groups. There's so many different resources and there's free resources of information that you don't need to sit here and spend a thousand dollars on someone's course or something like that. You know, unless it's like a legit, uh, and it's providing value, uh, you know, I'm not saying don't go to college because, you know, <laughs> you got to pay for college. Right. But do hey, you do can listen feels- to Mike Rowe about that. Yeah, but but do what feels right for you. Just do the research. Oh, so when when would somebody need might someone need to you know contract a financial coach? I know you're you're a financial coach, right? Correct. So, so uh, when, you know, when it, would be a good time for somebody to contact somebody like you? So it it depends. Uh, there's there's different stages, right? For me, I, I focus on folks that are beginning that are they're stuck in debt. They don't know what to do to get out. Um, I've taken on a couple of clients that they were in, one of them was in a worse situation than I was uh, when I had that, you know, I had $27,000 in debt. Um, 
I don't want to give away too much information, but I had, I had somebody that I was working with that was about 39, almost $40,000 in debt and really struggling. And I started working with them about nine months ago, like when I first started up and that individual is almost 100% debt free right now. They didn't really have to change their life. They were able to make some minor changes and discipline themselves and stick to a budget. And they are doing quite well. As a matter of fact, I, so I, I, again, I don't want to give it away, but I, I am going to have this person on as a guest in my podcast in the future. We have to show what can be done when you discipline yourself and stick to a spending plan, right? I'll say that for you, Kathleen, because I know you hate the B word, <laughs> uh, but I call it a budget. Taking on a finance coach, you know, that, that's a personal choice. You don't have to. There is free resources out there. I have free resources on my website. You don't have to spend money to, to have a sit down with me and, and help, you know, have me go over your finances and help you build a budget. A lot of times you could do that on your own. Some so what is the benefit be- of having a finance coach then? So some people need a little Very extra good. motivation, right? So, you know, for, and, and for me, I don't, I don't like charge like a super crazy amount. Like I see what some of these other folks charge. Listen, if someone's coming to me and they're in financial like distress, I'm not sitting here trying to become your next big expense. You know what I'm saying? That seems like like I do, like I say, it's, I I try to provide a service, right. And I try to serve others. So I'm not going to sit here and make it cost, you know, a crazy amount of money. Now, again, I'm taking time away from, you know, everything else I have going on to, to dedicate that time to you. And that's, that's the only thing I'm using that for. Um, Every piece of income that I've made from, being a finance coach has actually be, been reinvested into the website. You know, it's it's going to depend on the person. It's going to depend on their stage in life, where they're at, and what they're trying to do. Not everybody's going to never need a, a finance coach, but if you do, if you just need that that extra push, you know, there's different people you can consider. As a matter of fact, I, I don't want to like, um, I don't know if this is okay or not, but I'm, I'll give like a shout out to a. Uh, a group yeah, that I'm a part cool. of called uh, Wealth Tender. Uh, they have a whole list of financial coaches. These are folks that can talk you through different things, uh, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, like uh, investing and things like that. You can go from a financial coach to a financial advisor. What's the difference? Those are, those are two different things. So a financial advisor has to be licensed. They're going to help you with like your investment accounts and like, uh, you know, with life insurance and things like that. So you need a licensed financial advisor to do that. And as a matter of fact, I did an episode uh, on my podcast talking about the difference between financial coaches and financial advisors. There, there might be a time where you transition from one to the other. There might be a time where you decide you don't need either, or there might be a time where you decide, you know, I, I do need somebody. I do need somebody to help me out. And it's um, okay I, to ask for help. It 100% is okay to ask for help. I, I, I want to stress this thing because, again, like I said, what I do is, is about service, right? There is so many free resources out there on the internet. If you just look, don't go down the rabbit hole too far where you get caught up in something and then, you know, you're down conspiracy theorist lane. And next thing you know, money is, is all money is fake. And you're you know, stuffing it in your mattress. Yeah. You're stuffing it in your mattress and, and, you know, building up debt, racking up credit cards. Cause you'll never have to pay them back. It's all fake. Um, yeah. Don't, don't get stuck in one of those rabbit holes, but you know, just, again, just do your research, educate yourself. And, you know, if you need to reach out to somebody, there's, there's always someone out there to help hundred percent. So I think the last question before we wrap up is uh, you were talking about this earlier, but 
what is good debt versus bad debt? Yes, good debt versus bad debt. So like we've uh, talked about before, when I was talking about the debt that I was getting out of when I was following those baby steps, right? And doing the debt snowball, the bad debt is consumer debt. So that's credit cards, personal loans, things of that nature. There's certain car loans. Yep. Yep. Car loans. Although it might be necessary in order to get a vehicle so you can drive to work to earn. Now there, there are certain times where some of those, you might actually be able to justify them as good debt. Uh, And I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, My home loan, right? So I pay a mortgage on my house. I don't consider this bad debt, right? This is, this is good debt because I could be paying this into rent instead and have nothing to show for it. But as I'm paying down my loan, it amortizes, right? So yes, I am putting some into interest, but I'm also putting a nice chunk into my principal balance on my home. As that principal balance lowers and my home goes up in value, you build equity, right? And this equity, you know, if I had to, I had like some type of crazy emergency, or I decided I want to take a make a very large investment and I don't have the cash for it right now, but there's this huge opportunity that I have to do right now. I can refinance my house and take out some of that equity and go put it into that investment, right? So I look at mortgages, home loans, and things like that. That's good debt. If you have an opportunity where a personal loan or like an auto loan, for example, the auto loan on my Tesla is 2.04%. I was I was thinking about paying it off early, right? You know, the next couple of commissions I get, I'll just pay off my car. It's two point zero four percent. If I took that money that I would have, I would have used to pay off the car, and then instead I invest it into something else that would make me ten to twelve percent uh, cash on cash return on my investment. Realistically, I'll be making about an eight percent return because I'm still paying this two percent on the car. Or or I could pay it off, right? And now I didn't invest that money over here. So I'm losing out on that compound interest over the next couple of years. So the reason why I like the loan that I got right now is because of how low my interest rate is. I don't see a point in paying it off early. Same thing with my home. I got a 2.25% interest rate on my home. That's not to say just go buy the biggest house you can buy either. Right. Just Absolutely. because interest is low. But if you know 20 years from now if i was to go buy a home at the same price and let's say interest rates are 5% which is not unrealistic right because that's what it was a couple of years ago my 2.25% i'm paying you know what we call yesterday's dollars right so i'm paying that lower rate based off of what i paid for the house 20 years ago where when i sell my home and somebody else comes and buys it for me first of all for an amount way more than what i paid for the house 20 years prior right because thank you appreciation and home values going up because it does that very well here in Hawaii, I'm going to get a very nice chunk of change where that person, the monthly payment they're going to be making on this house on that new loan versus what I was making on it is a whole worlds of a difference, probably double what my payment is right now. So it's going to depend on what you're using that money for. So like I can give an example uh, of our, our example, which is much more compressed, I guess. We bought a house, we bought a house four years ago and we bought it for just under $70,000. That's like a damn payment. (laughs) Okay, keep going. (laughs) Because it was a 
rundown house. And it was, it was 1200 square feet, three bed, two bath, rundown, very old house. And I mean, it was built in the sixties and I don't think anybody had touched it since then. My husband is a carpenter though. And we bought it. And before we moved in, we spent about $10,000 on it, doing a little bit of fixing up. And then as we lived there, we did some more improvements. And then we took out a $25,000 loan recently and moved out into a uh, rental, which we're paying $1,200 at our rental where we paid $500 mortgage oh. or still are paying $500 mortgage. Anyways, we took that loan out and we put a lot of work into the house and we listed it today. And we listed it for $160,000. So, so if you can sell it be that, my, that much, you're going to be sitting on some nice. So that's good. Type of debt. So it, short, short answer long. Good debt is debt that enables you to do something to help bring in more income or uh, bring in potentially put passive income. Bad debt is anything that just costs you money. Right. It doesn't produce for you whatsoever. That's okay. the, you know, the, the difference between an asset and a liability, right? Yes. If you, so your assets, your assets provide for you and your liabilities just do nothing but take me. away. So if you, if you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, he talks about that extensively. It's on his, yeah. Uh, do not read. I do not recommend reading that as your first introduction to um, financial independence or, or he talks about financial freedom uh, because people get too excited about it. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to quit my job. I don't need a budget because I'm going to make all this money. Like that's not the point. Right. It's, it's a good for thinking about things uh, like assets for liabilities. Like your house isn't an asset until you can actually tap equity in it, or you can sell it at a profit. Key being, you have to be able to sell it at a profit. It doesn't always go up. Yeah. So, you know, and you I might have to sell it when my, the price goes down my, because of market crashes. My first home, I bought it in July, 2007. I bought it in Fantastic July, time. 2007, <laughs> you know, at the peak when homes were at like their highest prices. If you haven't been listening to any news in the last <laughs> oh, 15 years, uh, I believe the crash was in 2008. Like yes. early 2008, like home prices just plummeted. And then we had a huge recession. I short sold that home for $115,000 less than what I paid for it. And you were happy to get rid of it. I was sure. happy to get rid of it. Yeah. It's just, it again, it's, it's not anything's hard and fast, good debt or bad debt. It just depends on what you're using it for and the situation it's in. So if it's producing income for you, good debt. If it's taking away income from you, Bad so shall we move to our questions? We'll, we'll tag team this because I've been talking a lot. All right, Mike, what is your favorite time-saving tip? And this could be for your blog or this could just be life in general. Oh, great question. I meant to say, uh, I'm sorry. I said blog. I meant to say podcast. Yeah. He has a blog too. I, I, I have a blog too. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. So uh, my favorite time-saving tip would be, uh, so I actually, I use a planner and I plan out just about every hour of my day. Uh, I think that's uh, very important. So I have both... Um, I use both my handwritten planner and then I use my calendar, um, my Google calendar that I can have also pulled up on the computer or on my phone. Um, I get my different alarms for when it's time to switch up and do something else. So definitely uh, plan out your day. I did that and, and I had children and now went, went out the door. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have alarms that go off throughout the day that tell us. And I can't remember what they're for. <laughs> No, because you make it say it on the phone and then you know. I, know. I, I finally figured that out like two months ago. And before that, I was like, why is this alarm going off? I'm supposed to be doing something. 
Yeah. But now they know, like they'll hear it go off and they'll say, what's it time for now, mama? And I'm like, well, and mine always goes off five minutes. And I tell them, all right, well, in five minutes, it's time to start morning chores. This probably isn't going to be helpful because our next question is how do you price your products? Um, But seeing as you're a content producer, that's a little hard. Well, so my financial coaching, I I price it based off of, you know, my, my time. Right. So normally the first thing I like to do when I sit down with somebody is do a a consultation, which is free. Um, And basically I I have them, you know, I tell them, Hey, this is what I need you to pull together for our next meeting, all of your expenses, your bills, and all of your income. And I need to see all of that. And then we get on a zoom call and we, I actually build their budget for them on the zoom call uh, for 45 minutes to an hour. And I sell a couple of products on my website and I just price it off of, uh, you know, what I see other, you know, I guess like t-shirts and other merch selling for, I try to keep it, you know, in the same competitive price range. I don't want to be too expensive or too cheap where I'm not actually making a profit if somebody buys anything. I think that last sentence was a really good point is to not sell it so low that you're not making any profit. Which a lot of people who hand make things have a hard time selling their product for enough to make a profit, not to mention even covering their time. Right. Yeah. You know, that's especially if you're, if you're hand making stuff, you're not thinking about, you know, you're, you're buying all the material in bulk. Right. And then if you start selling it at a lower price and you don't realize that you're, you're under what you're actually spending on your material, you won't realize until after you finish everything up and you're like, Oh, I'm in a deficit. So that that can be different. And then on top of that, the the time that you put into it and the effort, it's gotta be worth it. You know, it's gotta be worth uh, the time that you put into it. All right. So Mike, what do you automate? Oh, I, I love to automate. So, um, Calendly has been awesome for my podcast when it comes to scheduling uh, folks. I send them my scheduling link. Um, I use a jot form as well for them to fill out an application and also like information. So I know a little bit about them for my guests. Um, but Calendly is great because the integrations that it has. So it sends reminder emails. Um, I have a follow-up email that goes out afterwards uh, that sends them a, a link, you know, and basically with a video, personalized videos, thanking them for uh, taking the time to speak with me. And then it's, it's a couple follow-up things that go on with that. Right. Um, I have an email list that I use that's, that's automated that sends out weekly for me. Um, And I also have a social media AI that I use. It's called content studio. And that actually posts on my official page, um, my Facebook group, my Twitter, and on my Pinterest. So every time a new podcast comes out, it'll automatically go out via that um, YouTube video. I send it out via that. And then also it, what I, what I love the most about it is the AI portion that I put in certain keywords for things that I'm looking for. And it goes and finds related articles, excuse me, it finds related articles to those particular topics, which of course for me is generally personal finances, investing and things like that. And it builds a list for me over a two-day period. And all I do is go in there and click approve, 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 uh, refresh. I know your secret now. Approve, approve, (laughs) approve. Yes, I know. You've asked me before, like, how are you posting at three o'clock in the morning? Do you ever sleep? Yeah, I do. I have this thing set up. so it does it automatically. Um, So that has been super helpful. Um, I lucked out. There was a, they had a lifetime membership thing going on when it first launched. And I bought that for 67 bucks. Oh my God, that must have been so worth it. Um, it, it is 100% worth it. Um, keeps my user group engaged, you know? 
Yeah. So if you've got, if you have a Facebook uh, fans group or Facebook customer group, or you need to start posting on Pinterest because you're making your product and Pinterest is a big drawer for you, that might be something that would definitely save you a lot of time. Uh, yeah, especially so for for folks in your community, Pinterest has got to be huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can even use there's a um, one specifically for Pinterest that I like to use sometimes when I'm making uh, and designing pins. Like a lot of people like to use Canva and things like that, which is great. Uh, but there's also a a um, a free resource uh, called Tailwind, and you can pay the premium price for it to have like unlimited posts, but so Pinterest, I can I can put like different pictures and things that I want on Tailwind, and it will generate a whole bunch of different pins that I can choose from, and say, okay, I I, I like the way the picture looks with this one, the way it, like it put the words and everything, and it makes the pin set up for you, and then you can schedule them. So that's another. That's uh, the free another, version. That's the free version. Oh yeah. my gosh! I you can do, Canva, you can do fourteen. Canva. Canva lets you, yeah. Canva lets you schedule, but you have to have the pro version. Yeah, I, th- I think it's twelve to fourteen pins per month you can do on Tailwind. That's amazing, definitely. But you'll, Canva, you have to build the pin too. Tailwind yeah, so sounds no, like this. This builds it for you. You upload the different amazing. pictures you want, right? And then it'll give you like, I mean, literally. You here's the font. I don't what think do I've ever say? gotten to the end. You can just click show more, show more, show more, show more. Amazing. I think at one time I was looking at a hundred different ones before I finally picked the one that I wanted. Absolutely. This is gonna. Great this is going to have to be a longer podcast. I can't, this, part I have. this is too good. Uh, so they have a, it's a freemium model. Of course. I didn't know. I thought Tailwind was completely paid. I, just, I haven't tried it yet. No, no. Yeah. Um, I, I oh, use amazing. the free one. This is why we're asking these questions. This is great. I, I know it's really know for us. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Hey, no, hey, again, I do the same thing with my podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's opportunity. We haven't even like, maybe we'll never release this. We just pretend we have some <laughs> fake podcast just to get information out of people. There you go. All right. So you've said several times that you have a blog, you have a podcast, you have all the things. So now tell everybody where they can actually find those things. Sure. Yeah. So um, my my uh, website is www.averagejoefinances.com. Um, I, I'm not going to list all my social medias because I'm I'm like everywhere if you search for Average Joe Finances, but uh, I put them all in another uh, page that I think is also a great resource for for some of you who want to check it out too. It's called Flow Page, and mine is www.flow.page/avgjoe finances. So average Joe finances, and then if you go there, all my social medias uh, are linked there, and you can just click it and go. My Facebook group, LinkedIn, everything. So every week we ask our listeners to join us on our Facebook page, which I'm sorry, on our Facebook group, which is the small business sewing community. Have you thought about the fact that your personal finances are affecting your business finances? Is that something that you feel like you need to look in, look into more carefully? And then if it is, definitely go look at what Mike has to say and, you know, other people too, because he told us not to listen to just him. That's a long question. It was a long question. So somebody has a better one, please. In short, Brandon means uh, how are you? How is your personal finances affecting your business? Please tell us and comment. <laughs> Just comment so we know you're there <laughs> in our <laughs> Facebook group. Sorry, the only thing short about me is my actual height. I don't. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. So this has been uh, Kathleen from Sunny Mountain Patterns and Brandilyn from Daily Sews and Stuff interviewing Mike Cav from Average Show Finances. Uh, hope you have a nice day. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks.